and welcome to the Dead Gym Bear Podcast. My name's Sean, and joining me as always is the one and only Dante Buff, Mr. Buffman Man. How are we? I'm good, but I feel a bit like out of whack being in your new residence. Mm. The Feng Shui, <laughs> the Feng Shui is not established yet. The, the podcast Feng Shui is not established yet. Yeah, we're gonna have to, you know, get this down to a fine art like we have in previous households. This is what the the fourth house we've recorded in, which is um quite interesting. We've been doing this for like three years. We have been doing this for three years, and maybe not to bury the lead, but is this episode 150? Oh fuck yeah, it's episode. I was thinking about should we like do something special, but. Like we've we've made shirts and I feel like yeah. people can still buy shirts if they would like. We um, do have seven shirts left. Seven? Yeah. I thought it was ten. Nah. Yeah. Well, we also need to go around and drop some of them off. Yeah, we time. do. We'll do that soon. I had two I had two shirts sitting on my bed for a few days and I was like and by a few days I mean like <laughs> ten days. And I was like, whose shirts are these? Like, why do I have these? Like, I only took the amount of shirts that I had to give to people. Hmm. I gave all the others and I'm left with two of them. And then I'm like, I don't know who whose these are. Brainwave. One of them's mine. <laughs> so now I've only got one shirt that I have to figure out whose it is. Congratulations. Um, Josh Gilmore, if you're listening, if it's the right yeah. size, that's your shirt. <laughs> I'll send it up to you in Queensland. Um, we will get the shirts out <laughs> to the people who have ordered them. Um, but 150, 150, and we're ringing it in in a new home. This Aww. this feels like symbolic. Am I reading too much into this? No, not at all. And uh, yeah, closer to the the Deep Two Hub, which I'd say is your house for some reason. Um, what did you catch the the bus here, or did you drive over? I drove, mm. but I could very easily catch. But the, bus the options here. there, you yeah, know, the, op- yeah, the options now there. I probably will never catch the bus here. Oh, because you told me, oh hey, it's just a bus trip. Yeah. Maybe, you know, if I was coming over at 7pm on a Saturday, I'd catch the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. If Or if we were having like a bit of a wet podcast, you know, more mm. so than usual, then I then I'd, maybe I'd catch the bus. Mm. But unfortunately, I'm, I'm a slave to my car. Mm. I told someone recently, someone who um, I've met in the last like couple of months and who got to know me as a person, <laughs> when they found out that I drive they were shocked mm. they were like oh you, you you don't give off drive vibes drive vibes you you fool do give off drive vibes because in the summer you'll plug in your fm radio transmitter like to the to the <laughs> to the um iphone lightning cable like you've got six contraptions going on you plug it in chuck on like dr gabba and then you put on your speed dealers and you drive around with your roof racks that have cobwebs <laughs> on them and that that's your driving vibe just you just like slowly bombing along absolutely no emotion whatsoever yeah and then you never you never smile until you're out of the car. Yeah. Well, there's nothing to smile about until I get out of the car. Well, you can then just get, wave me. Like, oh, but then hey. I get out of the car and and I'm with you. It's like, well, that's where the <laughs> smiles come. I I was actually so I was I was down the coast this week and I came back this afternoon, and there was nothing slow about me bombing along. I coming back from um, I I stopped off in Geelong to to do a little bit of shopping, um at the shaver shop because packing my toiletries bag for this little trip that I went on this week I lost my moustache comb <laughs> and I need a moustache comb for daily use just to keep it in order at the start of the day but mm. also for when I trim the mow like if you don't have a comb to comb it all out so you know how long everything is how long each part of the mow is you're flying blind wow. and you don't want to get in there and chop chop because it can be haphazard and I don't know if you can tell looking at me, but it's time for a shave. So see, I've never had a mustache comb in my life. 
Yeah, but your mustache just sits perfectly. It's because I eat it. If it gets into my mouth, I'll yeah. chop it. Yeah, well, my see, my, my mustache has two different growth patterns in it. Mm. Part of it grows like vertically. And part of it grows diagonally. So the, the parts closest to my nose will grow vertically, like your whole mustache does. But the ones further out will kind of grow more diagonal. So they tend to get like a bit more like long and sprawly than the other ones. So keeping those two different growth patterns <laughs> aligned is a task in and of itself, but you need the mustache comb. How much does a mustache comb set one back near those? $8 from Shaver Shop. No way. <laughs> Thanks to Alexandra from Shaver Shop Geelong uh, for helping me out. <laughs> um, that, I was just thinking during that whole little back and forth, this might be the most podcasty thing ever. <laughs> Two white dudes talking about mustache maybe we combs. Should, maybe we should find like an ad, an advertising partner. Like, your balls will love you. <laughs> MeUndies, Shaver Sharp. Oh, and we got the second round series between the Clippers and the Nuggets, so you can get some Clippers for your Nuggets. That is... Why are you doing your Daniel LeVue impersonation? Nah, dude, don't put down people's voices. It's not very nice. Nah, he does have that put down all kind, kind of voice. So. Yeah. Well, um, I've got here in my intro any near, near-death experiences in the past week, because when we last recorded, you had a, a mightily shocking... Uh, recount of a Saturday night. Yeah, no, no, uh, no near death experiences um, since then. I like to keep it monthly, so yeah. maybe yeah. check back, check back in, check back in a couple of weeks. Um, All right. Yeah, no, no near death experiences. Um, what about you? Just checking in. Um, yeah, pretty. It was pretty code red um, around about three, four p.m. today, right after. Um, a, a disastrous game on TV. Yeah. Um, what happened? Wait, what happened in that game? What was the score? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was thirty-nine points. Um, a oh. thirty-nine point uh, d- destruction of the Golden State Warriors, and this is the second game in a row. Let's get into it. This is the second game in a row with Mike Brown as the head coach, and it looks like Steve Kerr won't be available for Game Six, as he in Game Three he was coaching with a mask, and I was a bit like, "Hold on a minute." Wait, Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr, head coach of the Golden State Warriors. He wasn't. Didn't have a, he didn't have a mask. When, when was yeah, the... He had a mask in game three. When was the whole... Um, COVID, game four. Oh, I I feel like an idiot. Yeah. Because even though it's the 12th of May, 2022, <laughs> and we're now 26 months into COVID, when you said he has a mask, he was coaching with a mask, I immediately thought of like a playing mask, <laughs> like a Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, Rip Hamilton mask. And I was like, no, he wasn't. <laughs> he didn't have a mask. Okay. All right. So he, had so a he mask doesn't on. have a fractured face. He has COVID. <laughs> he has COVID. Oh, um, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. Fuck. Luckily, he didn't draw too much attention to it. So... <laughs> He was wearing a master game three and I'm a bit like, oh, that's weird. No one brought anything towards it. And then game four, he actually contracted COVID himself and he missed the game. Mike Brown was the head coach. Um, he actually became the head coach as soon as the, the day that he found out that he was going to be the head coach for the Sacramento Kings next year. Um, so then... You know what I will say though? Mm-hmm. There, ha- there is a long and storied history of Warriors assistant coaches who take over the team for spells and then move to the Sacramento Kings having a great deal of success. Yeah, yeah. There is a long tradition of of that happening. So I feel good about Mike Brown. (laughs) Well, Mike Brown, like, he he just 
doesn't seem to get this team motivated and interested from the start of the game. Yeah, well, that's a major red flag for the team that just <laughs> signed into a four-year contract to be their coach. Well, another major red flag, and maybe it's actually a positive for the Kings, but in the third quarter when Mike Brown was like, holy shit, A, Otto Porter's injured, and Otto Porter might miss the next game. But he goes, we need some offense at the big position. Manu Bielitsa step right in. Um which you know led to just a fucking flurry from the, from the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. Um, it's just like he he hasn't been a good motivator for this team, and as soon as they get off to bad starts, this Memphis team we know is good without John Morant. We know that they have all the depth in the world, and, and Tyus Jones hit. It seems like seven threes, but let me just check. He hit four threes today. Tyus Jones was incredible and was hitting some off the dribble shots. But whether it's just like, oh, that's unfair. This guy's not going to hit these shots. Or whether it's just like, hey, maybe don't go down 20 points in the first quarter and don't just like start at a deficit. Yeah. Um, it's it's sort of like a, a culmination of everything is happening to the Golden State Warriors right now because you've got Steve Kerr going out. Steve Kerr, great motivator, great coach. But look, I'm just not. I'm just going to say that's not the same for Mike Brown. You've got the death of Adrian Payne, uh, which was uh, Draymond Green's roommate, and uh, you know, rest in peace, to Adrian Payne. But um, Draymond and his family, essentially, they were family friends, and he actually took that really, really hard. Um, so Draymond's not himself. Draymond's not 100. percent um, You've got the whole Jordan Poole thing. Jordan Poole was getting booed at some points during this game for an injury that he didn't cause, but Taylor Jenkins would like to say well, that he we'll caused. Talk about that. We will talk about that. Um, everything's just sort of lumping on. And then the fact that Otto Porter Jr., who really found his shot in game three uh, in this series, Otto Porter Jr. went out with an injury, which is like, fuck. Like, the reason we've been like keeping him to under 20 minutes a game or 25 is so he can what, play in these what games. What was his injury? He something with his knee. Okay, because um, he 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 was he was shoulders, wasn't he? He was everything. Every mm. part of his body's been injured. But then this is all on top of the fact that we didn't have Gary Payton, um, Gary Payton the second, who you know functionally plays the five on offense, which mm. is you know what Otto Porter. Jr. What happened to him? <laughs> Again, we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> And then on top of that, like, we're just looking around like, okay, Mike Brown wants to throw in something other than Kevon Looney out there just to play the center. So it's like Bielitsa. And then you're like, well, fuck, maybe like Big Jim would be all right here. Like maybe just yeah. a different, different look because How? we know that the Bielitsa story is not it. Big Jim would be ready to go. Yeah. Big Jim yeah. would be game ready. Well, like, he, he'd he be, would be healthy, but he'd, you be, don't wanna... he'd be practicing. Yeah. But so, you don't want to throw it. Like you don't want to. Why not though? Like. Because like no, but seriously though, like why not? Because if the alternative is throwing in Bielitsa, Bielitsa, to to paraphrase um, our dear friend Draymond Green, he's an eighty-two game player. You can, you just can't play him mm. extended minutes in the playoffs because he just is essentially just like a target. Not only is he a target, but he's a target with a neon sign saying, "Drag me into pick and roll action." But so would Big Jim. Big Jim less so though, and at least Big Jim has athletic traits to cover up for it. I.e., if he gets beaten, he's got the length to recover. He's more nimble. Mm. You know, not saying that, that that's an amazing um, op- <laughs> option, but surely like it's an option. Have it but, in the quiver. But how it's it's so sad that that's where we're right now. Where it's like we are so decimated by injuries, and even like our fucking coaching staff are going down. Yeah, but don't. Okay, I mean this. For you, like for your own enjoyment. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Your own Let's skip past this experience. For, no, no. For your own enjoyment of, of, of the playoffs, uh, I'm saying this to you. But also, like, stop with the the self-pity. Because you're up three games to two. Yeah. And you're going to Golden State. So, 
you're 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 whinging that it's terrible. It's so sad that it's come to this. You literally you have an elimination game in your building to win, and mm. if you lose, you're still not eliminated. So. Mm. The other team's best player also isn't playing, so it's it's kind of okay. Like it will be okay. Yeah. Um. But yes, I get that. But one of the reasons, one of the issues with being the lower seed in the next round, um, assuming that Phoenix make it out, is that we're not going to have home court advantage, and it would be nice to get a couple of extra days rest. But I'm um, I'm also just a bit like, this is all happening. We we still don't have Gary Payton. Um. Surely he's just done. You don't break your elbow and come back. Well, he he was three to five weeks, and if he hits the three, if he hits the three in that three to five, he's ready to play for the finals. But broken we, we, elbow. We need him. We need him. Well, look, amazing things can happen. Look at Robert Williams. We need him to defend Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and he will zero chance be ready to defend Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Um, but do you want to talk about uh, everything else with this series? Yeah, well, I um, so I've been away this week, so I've been watching a little bit fits and starts, sampling the sampling the commentary, and Jordan Paul does have everybody incensed, doesn't he? Um, because of his little knee grab mm. of Jar Morant, and Jar obviously out for this out for the series. Um, in the game, nay, the quarter that um, Jordan Paul grabbed his knee. What do you think about the? Let's put on our first take hats here. What do you think about that play? So the knee grab. The play before John Morant went up to contest a shot and landed awkwardly and yeah. was walking gingerly. That's so strange because I feel like I asked you what do you think about Jordan. So Paul the play. Grabbing- right. Have you grabbed your kneecap this past week? Nah, but I will now. Do it now, just for for the camera that we don't have. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty stuck on there, isn't it? Yeah. That's pretty hard, isn't it? Yeah. Um, a guy who had injuries, what, three, four weeks ago? Yeah. Um, lower body injuries. And for Jordan Poole to go grab a ball, and in the less than a second that his hand's going to be in that area to grab the ball, for him to decide, shit, I'm not getting the ball, let me just quickly change it up and grab someone's kneecap. And for him to be able to grab his kneecap so much that it pulls it off, especially when the injury is a well, bone no bruise. One, yeah, well, no one's saying that his <laughs> kneecap came off. He's saying that it was a bone bruise. It's, it's um, just, this, this Grizzlies team is intolerable to listen to on social media with oh, Karen Jenkins. Be careful. What? You're a Warriors fan. <laughs> You're a Warriors fan. And everyone was just up in arms about, yes, the Dylan Brooks foul was much, much, much worse, but the Warriors were... <laughs> semi-intolerable to listen to about that as well like, about the Jordan Poole thing no about the Dylan Brooks thing oh you reckon nary four four to five days ago intolerable stuff coming out of the Warriors camp yeah um, I was part of it uh, so I'm shocked that you say that. yeah I mean like it was definitely a, it was definitely a far worse it broke um, the code Dante at the end yeah, of the day yeah um, do you think that it's a dirty play from Poole no do yeah. you? Yeah, I do. Really? Definitely. What what part of it's dirty? I don't think that it was um, intentional. Like with the the dirtiness wasn't intentional because obviously with um, the Dylan Brooks thing, like there's you know to paraphrase our friends in the uh, in the NBA referees office, there was uh, impact, follow up, and yeah, something else. Wind up, impact, and follow yeah, through. Yeah. Um, this was just like a kind of like spur of the moment thing. 
um, where sometimes you do something and it just happens. So I don't think that he was like, oh, I'm going to grab this guy's kneecap. But he definitely grabs the kneecap. And the ball is, he's not reaching for the ball. Like the ball is like, as he moves, he starts moving his hand, the ball moves further away. So that by the time he, by the time he grabs Jar's kneecap, the ball is like not really even remotely attainable. It's like two arms lengths away from here. And then he just grabs the knee and he ho- it doesn't hit the knee. He grabs it, the the fingers kind of tense on the knee, pull it a little bit. Um, obviously, that's not how bone bruises work, that if someone slaps you on the knee, mm. um, you don't get a bone bruise. So I think that it's ridiculous that they're saying that it was from... Um, that that play from that play, especially because like yeah, you're right. He had he had knee soreness at the start of the playoffs. It's it's jar like he's jumping and landing and mm. doing all sorts of crazy things. Mm. Um, but were were people in the group chat previously saying like why is Taylor Jenkins not making a bigger deal out of like this this and this? And then all of a sudden he makes a big deal out of it. Well, what are you, who's saying that? People in the group chat. <laughs> I th- well, every single playoff series uh, Taylor Jenkins has been in. And I'm not going to quote fucking Memphis versus Utah last year because who the fuck watched that? Um, he's just complained and complained and complained every single game after that Minnesota after that Minnesota series, and now in this Golden State series, there's always some gripe he has, whether that be, oh, Jaron Jackson Jr. I'd love to see the two minute report. He must have got he must have got fouled in that last second. We got to talk about that. As you well. you got to talk about that. Yeah. Say, your, say your little monologue. Oh but, my god! Like Jordan Poole, let's let's say like. I don't think he wants to see Jar Morant get injured because A of course not he he probably thinks he's better than him and just wants to guide him and B Jordan Poole coming from his own mouth he is him <laughs> Jordan Poole is him um, Jordan Poole also the Golden State Warriors are targeting Jar Morant every single time down yeah like that's that's the guy that Jordan Poole sped past four times in a row to well, get and points. that's and that's what we're saying um, that's what we're saying everywhere like with the exception of like absolute elite level defenders, like Luca is genuinely when he tries like a, an average defender, and he's big, so mm. he's hard to bump off his spot. He's mm. long, so he can recover if yeah, yeah. Um, if you beat him off the dribble. Phoenix isn't going at him because he's always the worst defender on the floor. They're going at him because you know that if you're putting him in everything, you're he's decreasing his you're decreasing his effectiveness on the offensive end, mm. um, which is the same principle. You know, Jar actually is a bad defender, so but yeah. he could. Would be good um he just needs more weight to him like it's, it's just hard it's just hard to when he recovers it is just a little bit like a fly it's just hit you yeah but also there's i don't know there's ways around that yeah yeah um well all right we we actually didn't talk about dylan brooks but i feel like everything should be has been said um i was listening to uh a warriors pod um light years love that, love that. um and they were actually a little bit worried about dylan brooks's mental health because he hadn't actually spoken to the media after that game uh and in the in the day between the game and he hadn't actually seen the the next time he spoke to the media was um pre-game pre-game uh before game four and then went out and took what 19 shots and was five five and 19 with some like terrible shots at the end of the game but wasn't talking shit at all during the game and it was yeah. a little bit like who is this because like you know as as uh as zach Lowe once said a couple of years ago like he has the confidence of five normal men <laughs> um but as we know uh five normal men are susceptible f- to feeling down and i seriously think like you know getting buried every single every single time you touch the ball um, Dylan Brooks absolute fucker and I think he knows that he's done an absolutely wrong thing there with, with smacking Gary Payton while he's in midair he knew 
immediately after he did it because he goes over to Gary Payton and kind of like he's like oh shit like and then he just like leaves it for teammates he would have felt pretty shit for doing that straight away and yeah I think you're probably right that he does feel quite bad because no one wants to A no one wants to do that like potentially end someone's season also like for someone like Gary Payton, who this is, this is has never made any money. This is the first time there's been any sniff that he might get something more than a minimum contract on mm. multiple years, um, and now he's injured right before free agency. Yeah. Like Dylan Brooks would be feeling shit. That being said, I don't feel bad for him whatsoever because he's an asshole. I struggle. I struggle to relate to these people uh, who are <laughs> earning so much money mm. that if they feel bad from their job that pays them 15 million dollars it's like well I would like to feel bad from my job if it paid me 15 million dollars um, I yeah we don't need to talk any more about it I do want to have my little just Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah, yeah. monologue um, Jaron Jackson Jr. offensive player is so shit <laughs> like fucking sort it out bro like I just really <laughs> loathe his offensive game. Um, and Taylor Jenkins, like, at the end of game four, he really, like, the whole team shit the bed. Um, Dylan Brooks heat-checking from 35 feet. It's like, oh, mm. With, like, two minutes left. Like, honestly... With, with 18 seconds left in the shot clock. Like, stupid. Um, crazy from Dylan Brooks. But then the ball... Goes out of bounds. Player gets called. And what's the play? There's 35 seconds left and you're down by one point. Mm. And the play that gets called is Jaron Jackson posting up against Draymond Green on the wing. And by the time he actually gets the ball, he's been pushed all the way from the low block out to the three-point line. Mm. So then he has to take two dribbles just to get back and puts up a stupid floater. Jaron Jackson might be the anti Rashawn Holmes where <laughs> Jaron Jackson's yeah, yeah, never yeah. scored a floater, yeah. ever. Yeah. And then, so that was like a coaching thing, like play call. Like you don't, I, I get the jars out, but you can't just say, all right, we're posting up Jaron Jackson against... We're supposed to have a guy who shoots 40% from the floor against a defensive player of the year. <laughs> and then Jaron Jackson shoots a three, down three, with like nine seconds left. He runs up and he acts like he's Darvis Bertans, where as soon as he touches yeah. the ball, he's just shooting no matter where <laughs> he's from. And it misses everything with nine seconds left. And you just like, not to say that you would have scored had you got a better shot but like you completely just sabotage any chance that your team has because you didn't know the situation mm. you didn't know either he didn't know the time on the clock which is inexcusable yeah, yeah. or he doesn't have um, a filter a developed sense of like how a play is unfolding and how long things take to unfold because the play had been going for like three seconds when he shot and there was nine seconds left mm. and that if that's the case and he doesn't have that development for that feel like that kind of fades into my argument again that Jaron Jackson offensive player is shit yeah I, I really like Jaron Jackson if he's your fourth option on offense but obviously with no jar like I hate him he's having to take some shots that are a little bit ugly and like he he's making some of them but he takes of, ugly shots all the time but, and he misses them but some of the times he's making them because it's like okay Draymond's the tallest guy on the court right now and you've just posted up Andrew Wiggins like congratulations like I'd love to see maybe Dante's Dante's got a shot posting up on Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins is literally not ready for my, for 
my direct fadeaway. Um, so just to just to finish this up, um, if you had asked me two days ago, I'd be like feeling good about Golden State Memphis, like gentleman sweep, um, GS by GS. But now game five, game four was a huge rock fight. Game five was absolutely filthy, putrid, disgusting. Still no Steve Kerr for game six, but as you said, they still don't have Jamarant for the rest of the playoffs. Um, I uh, will be watching Game Six with uh, very closely. Uh, what, what do you think is going to happen with the rest of the series? I think you're going to win Game Six, and yeah. it's going to be four-two. And then Jar will delete his Twitter account for the rest of the playoffs. <laughs> the depth, the the deep, the ugh, the deep two. God, that's a mouthful. Anyways, I'm Marco, co-host of the... Hey, Daniel Gafford, what's the name of our podcast? The JVG NBA Tribute Show. Wow, I can't believe it's that easy. Thanks, Gaff. You probably know us as two members of the Four Man Weave plus Marco, but we know you as our next listener. Well said, Lucas. I gotta ask, how do we differ from the pack of basketball podcasts? It's a great question, Marco. You see, on our basketball podcast, we have two male co-hosts. Wow, truly groundbreaking. After this episode, stay on your favourite podcasting app and give us a spin. Um, all right, let's move on to your uh, playoff series with the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. What, are, what have you been seeing in that series? I've been seeing everything in this series uh, because you have to really, you really do have to cherish the times when your team is in the playoffs, as I'm sure you know. Um, I haven't had many of those recently, so I'm cherishing every second of it. Um, but pretty mint uh, that we're up, <laughs> up three, three games to two. Mm. Um, and... Complete blowout, an absolute, an absolute crushing in so game five. So many blowouts the past two days. In fact, every single game. Hasn't yeah. It? Mm. Well, except for um, this yeah. morning with Milwaukee and Boston, that was True. quite close. <laughs> um, but so, do you reckon you're winning six, or what's the what's the go there? I think it's going seven. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is legitimately going seven, um, because we have had nothing going offensively in Dallas mm. like all of our role players have just been completely cold and mm. even like even non-role players like Aiden's not a role player like mm. Mikael Bridges and Aiden are like not like just like your classic role players they're integral parts of the offense mm. and Aiden in games one and two it was like oh my god this guy just looks like Tim Duncan he just looks like Tim Duncan he's just catching shooting from the mid-range and it's unguardable it's unstoppable and then in games three and four I'm sitting there and I'm like Take a dribble and dunk. Mm. There was a moment in game five where Chris Paul slipped a pass into him off the pick and roll and he caught it at the dotted line and he could have just taken one step in, didn't even need to dribble and dunked. The, the rim was like on his left and he could have just gone left. Instead, he turns all the way back around and takes a left hand hook over his right shoulder and misses. And it's like, oh, you really... In the off season, we just need, um, we need to get like the coaching staff just to, to say you're not practicing anything except dunking. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna put all sorts of barricades and barriers in front of you, and you mm-hmm. need to dunk. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I think it will. I think it will go seven just because we we haven't produced a performance in Dallas yet, mm-hmm. and part of the reason why we won. Um, in game five at home is because you know our dudes shot better yeah, like yeah, not yeah. from three necessarily but just in general like the mid-rangers that we survive off of that we thrive off of were going down whereas in Dallas the threes weren't and Dallas hit like 
23s in game four or something mm. crazy. Yeah, Dorian Finney-Smith had eight or something. I think for the series going into game five, um, uh, Reggie Miller, God bless Reggie Miller, <laughs> who is by far the worst NBA commentator. <laughs> He's so bad. Um, Reggie Miller was saying, I think that there was a... A, we were we were minus sixty three in the three point um mm. three point um what? ratio, which is hard hard a hard to do and b hard to be winning three games in a playoff series if you're um you know you're mm. getting outscored by by over twenty threes for the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but ultimately, I think we'll win because you're the better team. I think Luca has another big game in him, but like Chris Paul has kind of like coasted. Um, the last three games and like there's something big coming from him mm. if we need it from mm. him hey yeah it's like maybe just score on the first quarter like you can so clearly see it's like he's just getting everyone involved which is like great he's a point guard but like you if it's a close game and you're in Dallas like your role players aren't going to hit your shots like role players struggle to to hit shots away in a playoff series so if you're Chris Paul like you're clearly a, a Hall of Famer. Like, just go out there, maybe start your little snake dribbles in the first quarter as well. Just, like, get some points on the board because as a Warriors fan, I know that it's not fun to start double down double digits every single time you try and win a game. So it's, like, a little bit more, like, you know, flopping your stick on the court from Chris Paul. But, like, even with that, you you just get more home games than this team and your role players are just going to play better. Um, campaign, how are you feeling about him <laughs> in this series just not being the greatest backup point guard in the league when we watched game we do, do we watch game three or game four together i think it was game think three. three yeah um we watched game three at lucas's house and i was yelling at campaign through the tv for the whole second half yeah. like get this bloke out of here i really liked the move in game five to bring shamit in and mm. use shamit as the first guard off the bench mm. to the point where campaign didn't even play yeah um shamit is the most like tantalizing role player because you see him like raise up and shoot and you're like, oh, this guy's an elite shooter. He's also got like a little bit of like wiggle with the ball, like attacking off of closeouts. He can kind of like go either way. He can put a move on the first defender that comes to help. He's also low key quite athletic and he can kind of yam it every now and then. Like he Mm. tried to yam on Maxi Kleber and it was was monstrous. Mm. Um, He got fouled. That being said, he's less than the sum of all of those attributes. Like somehow it just doesn't actually work out. So he's like kind of like a double-edged sword that, you know, he's got all of those traits and yet you put him out there for 30 minutes and give you four points on yeah, two yeah. of seven shooting. That being said, I think he played well and I think he played his role in game five. Yeah. Um, and he's just another bigger body that is out there on the perimeter. That means if Luca goes hunting for campaign, um, yeah. instead of getting the six foot one, 180 pound campaign, he gets you know, 6'4", 6'5", 220, Shaman. And it's like, well, Lucas still obviously has a huge size mismatch like there. Of, but at least, yeah. it's, at least it's kind of um, reduced. So yeah. I like it. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Campaign again. Yeah. Um, I mean, Campaign's awesome in the regular season. And, like, his best trait is driving past some fucking Orlando big man and just slipping in some little layups. Yeah. Like maybe he's just a really nice regular season dude who can start it. He was him. he was the best backup point guard in the playoffs last year. Yeah. I think it's I think that it's just it's it gets to the playoffs and it's just matchup dependent. Like mm. looking forward to if if Phoenix does advance to the next round, say we play the Warriors, where the bit the best offensive threats in the Warriors who are gonna have the ball in their hands is Curry and Poole which is not a size mismatch mm. of any order of magnitude like it's a size mismatch with Luca. So maybe Steph will hunt um, 
Kane because he's not an amazing defender, but he's not hunting him because he's small. He's not going to get him on his back yeah. and just back him in. Yeah. So it's less of a it's less of a mismatch there. Yeah. Um, so I think that there still will be role like a role for him to play um, as we as we go forward. But I just think that like we've seen it with we've seen it with Stephen Adams. Um, in Memphis where it's like look this just isn't your series this just isn't your um, your game like we're yeah. just not going to play you and it's you know it just is what it is He and then he comes back in they're all pros they, they keep ready campaign like he didn't touch the court and the whole time the camera's cut to him and he's just like vibing on the sidelines he's just like loud yeah, channeling yeah. his like early 2010s yeah. Paddy Mills yeah um, yeah um, and and just one one thing I've taken away from this series is that like Dallas since the since the Chris Tatspool Zingas trade, like they obviously broke up a distressed asset into multiple smaller, you know, easy to eat pieces. And Spencer Dinwiddie's had, you know, a mini renaissance in the second half of the season. That's been awesome. And Jalen Brunson has been able to do more with just the the, the floor space. Um, it's clear that like the Phoenix Suns are competing for a title this year while the Dallas Mavericks are like, you know, in a little bit of a limbo mode at the moment. And that's not to say that they've built this team poorly. It's just like they're in the playoffs. They've got really good individual players, but it's like, okay, Dwight Powell, you're going to need to upgrade in that position. Like you're going to need to do something there. Maxi Kleber, maybe he's just, you know, Nick Batum where it's like, okay, he's very, very good situationally in the playoffs, but for the regular season, like he's not going to be playing the five forever and maybe you just essentially want him to coast, even though, what is he, like 20, 30, he's actually 30 years old. Wow, he looks very young. Um, like this this team's not complete and it's actually looking really good if they can keep Jalen Brunson, if they can make a move just to, to upgrade the Reggie Bullock spot and upgrade the Dwight Powell spot, which are very easy things to do. And like Frankie Smokes is getting minutes just for the laugh of it. Like there are heavy upgrades to be done here and they seem very easy to do, whether that be trading for a superstar like Bradley Beal or just upgrading on your role players. Like, this things are looking good for the Dallas Mavericks moving forward. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Because now that you've got KP off the books mm. and you've got those bite-sized contracts, it's so much easier. Not that like, you know, 20 million for Dinwiddie's is <laughs> bite-sized, but compared to KP, it's like yeah. shorter and less. If, so if, far easier to package together, far easier to get max salary for players who might actually, um, might actually, you know, want to... Um, mm want to um, come there and then also you know the picks that they gave up for Porzingis was 21 and 23 I believe first round picks and mm-hmm. so now you know that's there's only one pick that they owe so um, if you needed to package something along with those salaries you could yeah. easily do it it's like Josh Green a future first and one of those salaries which isn't going to get you anything crazy but like this I'm, I'm liking where this Dallas roster is going at the start of the year I was a little bit like oh what is, is Zinger going to be healthy and like let's just yeah. see what happens but now it's like okay well and especially because the thinking when they traded him was like they're just punting on this season it's going to make them worse in the short term but everyone could see the 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 logic behind it and we mm. I think we're both like yeah if the price that you have to pay is that you just like lock yourselves into being the 6 or 7 seed and you just lose in the first round mm. to get off Porzingis Mm-hmm. for relatively little pain then you just do it but yeah. for them to have um, 
not stumbled but but surged to you know to finishing as the five seed mm-hmm. um and to have figured out like what a successful playoff offense around Luca can look like without Paul Zingas where you essentially you just want to play five out and go small like mm. imagine if they get I don't know who this player is but like you, you're talking about Maxi maybe not being the answer full time imagine if they get someone who could be the answer full time yeah yeah well even like yeah I mean don't want to get too much into hypotheticals but like a good JaVale McGee as your starting center yeah. Maxi Cleaver and what if you get Nick Batum on the free agency market all of a sudden you've got you, you obviously don't need points out of your front court, um, but you've just got three different looks there at the five, which would be What nice. if Clint Capella is healthy and becomes available? <laughs> like, get Clint Capella to Dallas for Luca. Yeah. Or Rudy Gobert. Um, all right, or well, Rudy, Go- or Rudy Gobert. The, the first thing they have to do is re-sign Jalen Brunson, and that brings us into the first piece of news that we've really done in a, in a handful of weeks here. But coming from Jay Fisher of Bleacher Report... Uh, Jay Fisher. It is official. Yeoman's work. He's all over it. <laughs> if there's a story, Jake Fisher's on, Jake Fisher's on the case. It, it is official now that there are three teams throwing their hat in the ring alongside the Dallas Mavericks to sign Jalen Brunson. They are the Knicks, the Pistons, and the Pacers. Um, the, the theory behind these teams is that the Pistons, who have, I think, the most cap space out of any team in the whole entire league this offseason, they can offer as much as Jalen Brunson wants. They see him as a solid fit next to Cade Cunningham, similar to what he's doing with Luka Doncic right now. New York just want a capable point guard that can stay on the court. Um, and as we know, among small chubby point guards that go to New York, he's obviously going to fail if he goes there, so we'd recommend him not. Um, and Indiana has the, the Rick Carlisle collection, Rick Carlisle, uh, connection. Rick Carlisle is addicted to small point guards. If he could somehow inject them, I think he would try and find a way to do that. Um, <coughs> and Indiana incorrectly want to get right back into competing next season as soon as they draft high this year. So there's three teams out there. Um, <coughs> he is an unrestricted free agent because he, he signed a because <coughs> he signed a uh, a straight a straight four year deal uh, after being drafted in the second round. So the is there of, somewhere that people could read about that? You, you can actually listen to it, Dante, on the Deep Two's uh, YouTube channel. But what, what are your thoughts here on, on, on these teams and, and who would you like to see him go to? I think the Pistons would be fun, and it doesn't really matter at all who the Pistons get they just need to get good starting level players around Cade mm-hmm. uh, and I think playing with someone who can help him you know can, can help him with the ball handling and not mean that he doesn't have to be both the primary playmaker and the leading scorer of a shit team like you, if you can share that burden a little bit you can diversify the role that you're being asked to play the skills that you're developing as a young player I think that would be cool the others I don't really get. Like I, it, it seems like a fait accompli that if the Knicks pay him twenty five million dollars a year to go there, he's going to be shit. Mm. It just doesn't really seem to me. Putting on my like analytical, but also like my spiritual hats, there's no way that works out. There's just no <laughs> way that the Knicks finally sign a point guard to like a big ass contract, and that it's Jalen Brunson, and he's put up like one season of um, performance that suggests that he should get paid something remotely near that there's no way that he goes in his success (laughs) that's not a Jalen Brunson thing that's a New York (laughs) Knicks thing Um, I fully believe that if Jalen Brunson goes to another team he can be a great success and replicate the performances he's putting up but if he goes to the Knicks it's just not it's not going to happen I mean you, you just need to avoid that situation although then again for him like I'd, I'd take 25 million dollars a year to live in New York yeah 100% um, 
but yeah, between um, yeah, the point guards of the last sort of ten years. Just say Raymond Felton. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Raymond Felton. <laughs> Raymond Felton um, is obviously the 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 short, chubby legacy New York point guard. But Kemba's gone there. Derek Rose has gone there and had success, but hasn't been able to play more than 20 minutes a game. Mm. Quickly bursts onto the scene and is like, oh, who's this kid? And then second year just like completely stagnates. Mm. We've got Frankie Smokes now playing in Dallas. You know, the, the air Langston Galloway. Langston Galloway. Like all of these guys. It just doesn't work. <laughs> Stay away. The Pacers news is weird though, because mm-hmm. like Brunson's had his... Um, emergence after Rick Carlisle yeah, left. Yeah, yeah. Why would he want to go straight back to a Rick Carlisle team? Yeah, um, that seems like a really strange, like match. I think that if Rick Carlisle and the Pacers went to him and were like, "We want to, pay, we want to pay you a lot of money," that a he would probably be like, "No, like don't even bother." But then also B, they would be... The Pacers kind of feel like the Arsenal of the NBA, mm-hmm. um, where Arsenal famously... I think they were bidding for Sergio Aguero back in the day, so mm-hmm. 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and they submitted a bid, say that it was like $35 million. I can't remember what it was, but they yeah. submitted a bid and Atletico Madrid said, no, we need more. And so they submitted another bid, like a formal bid for... 35 million and one <laughs> and one pounds <laughs> so I feel like the Pacers would the Knicks would be like yeah we're putting like four years 95 million on the table the Pacers would be like we want to pay you a lot of money we'll give you 475 <laughs> but also like the, we, we were so happy when the Pacers said they're going to tear it down and rebuild like this this is retooling but you, Ooh, don't, and have, then they but you don't have Damian Lillard yeah and then they didn't because yeah. because all of their guys except for Sabonis are still there and and all indications are Karis LeVert and, and yeah. Brogdon Brogdon couldn't yeah but Karis LeVert was just like get this guy out of here rather than like an asset grab um, uh, they, they got they got a pick for him yeah well it was a, it was a, it was a shit pick no it wasn't yes it was it was the Cleveland Cavaliers pick and then they fell out of the playoffs but wasn't it like t- like top 10 top no, I thought it was like top 20. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. And I just wish they traded for Gary Harris. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if they traded for Gary Harris, it would have been all, it would have been all so fine. So the first round, lottery, lottery protected. Okay. So now they keep Split it. It's nothing. Um, so the Indiana Pacers are yeah, trying, to re, trying to retool without having the superstar. But uh, speaking of... Um, Portland, who are also trying to retool around their superstar, have named their permanent GM uh, as Joe Cronin. They simply just removed the interim tag that's coming from Blazers PR. And then Jason Quick of The Athletic, the Portland Trailblazers writer, went in and uh, said, hang on a minute, we didn't hear about any candidates coming in here whatsoever. So what's the deal with Joe Cronin simply being elevated? Um, and I guess he just found out that they didn't do a search whatsoever. They didn't do their due diligence. Um, and he had some really nice he had some really nice tidbits in his piece where he just simply says like, "We we know that Joe Cronin is the guy here, and he's done his end of season press conference, and he said all these you know, his his words that don't mean nothing." Um, but we don't know what anyone else's opinion is on whether they should, you know, whether they should offer Damian Lillard an extension who's extension eligible off this offseason, whether they should go after Jeremy Grant or whether they should try and just tear it all down regardless of what Dame wants. Um, and, and here they are. This is like Joe Cronin has just been elevated for 
he's he's done a fine job would you give him like a passing grade for this most recent trade deadline yeah I'd give him a C yeah um, I mean he got that he got that pick in the CJ McCollum trade that now won't happen because New Orleans made the playoffs or, or what's the deal there so it's like yeah sick Jay Cronin best of luck you, you've got it I always wonder with something like this like what the relationship between him and the owners are because this kind of reeks of not being able to not being able to or not being willing to like speak the truth to your extremely wealthy and powerful bosses because the truth is this team probably can't make the playoffs next season even if Dame's healthy mm. like they would hope but I mean realistically what, like what's the move here like you go all in and throw all your assets in on Jeremy Grant yeah and then your team is a worse version of the guards that you've had the last two years because Dame's a year older and a year more injured mm-hmm. and Anthony Simons is not as good as mm-hmm. CJ McCollum so you're downgraded in the in the backcourt and then what is it it's Jeremy Grant Nas Little Josh Hart as your three wings and then like the, Yusuf Nurkic. the corpse of Nurk if you re-sign him but he's going to cost 15 million so mm-hmm. And and they, I mean, they don't have any more rights than anyone else does, but they have Joe Ingles. Yeah, well, I mean, you can you can go over the cap and bring the corpse of Joe Ingles back. Mm. I mean, who, he's probably a minimum guy at the moment. Yeah, oh, yeah, I I I guess I guess yeah. being being that old and coming off the injury, like he probably and won't have a huge market. He's not going to play till halfway through the year. And and then what? Like, what if he's just like all of the places that could be in the NBA because he'd have suitors like there'd be mm. teams that would mm. want him so like maybe he doesn't want to stay I don't know they're just it seems like their only avenue to get respectable involves overpaying for like average talent and getting rid of all of their assets to lock in around Dame and it's like well Dame showed the last two years he can't really mm. do it at that high level this anymore anymore like maybe maybe they're aberrations and outliers but Going back to my original point, like now is the time to just say like, Dame, you've kind of been wanting this for a little while. You've been suggesting it like we're ready now as well. So Mm -hmm. if you still want to move on, we'll facilitate something for you because he'd have, he'd have a market and they just need to, they just need to bring it down. Like you can't build from here. And I wonder if he's getting the, the job or continuing with the job because he's telling them, yeah, we can. We absolutely can. We mm. can do it. Like, we got Dame, like, no stress. And they're like, okay, amazing. But in reality, they need someone to come in there and say, like, look, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. This is, is going to be shit, but we need to tear it down. Mm. Um, and, and one name that popped up, obviously, Jeremy Grant's been there forever. But uh, on, the Hoop on the Hoop Collective podcast of ESPN, uh, they said the Blazers' name has, quote, popped up as a potential candidate to sign Zach Levine. This seems like a favor to the new GM Joe Cronin, and maybe um, maybe someone's agent, because uh, Zach Levine has said that he wants to explore his free agency and get some get some respect. So to get respect, he needs to look at a team with cap space, which has usually been the Sacramento Kings, which he in fact used the Sacramento Kings four years ago to get leverage. He's looking around, um, and instead of telling the Chicago Bulls that he's going to go sign with Detroit because Detroit have cap space or Orlando, he needs to think of a realistic destination. So the 
the blazers are technically realistic but the only re- the only way the blazers can get enough space to actually open up enough space to sign Zach Levine is if they let Yusuf Nurkic walk if they let Anthony Simons walk and they don't guarantee Josh Hart's 12 million for next year so that's not going to happen I say we move on well I <laughs> I just want to throw two things in there wouldn't it just be so fucking Portland Trailblazers <laughs> to figure out a way to extend Ant and bring in Levine and then you end up in the exact same situation <laughs> as you've been in <laughs> you end up in the exact same situation you've been in for the last 10 years where you have three highly played guards like you finally moved on McCollum and Norman Powell and you had one you had one <laughs> highly paid guard and you immediately bring two more back um how's this for a realistic landing spot for Zach Levine. The Philadelphia 76ers let James Harden walk <laughs> and they offer Zach Levine the max and Zach Levine goes. And James Harden signs with Paul. If you were if you were the Sixers, would you rather take the risk and let Harden walk if you knew that you were going to get Levine on a four-year max? I would. Yeah, I think I would as That's well. That's wild to think about, isn't it? Yeah. They're probably in the same tier at the moment. Like, I, I'm, I really I like Zach I think that that Zach Levine this season has been far better than James Harden. I, I'm giving James Harden a pass because what if the what if his injuries that he faked are real? Um, and what if next year he's healthy again? Which, yeah, but what does healthy look like for James Harden at age 32? A little bit better than Zach Levine. No, with, but, much, with much more risk. In no, no, but I don't, like I like I, I I disagree. Not we don't have to turn this into a Harden segment, but I disagree <laughs> because um, not to put too fine of a point on it, but Harden. Uh, treats his body like dog water and okay the injuries are real the injuries that he had in the playoffs last season were real and he spent the whole off season eating and drinking and going to strip clubs and came into the regular season completely out of shape Mm -hmm. so if these injuries are real what evidence is there that he's going to treat them like yeah, you know, like like he's not he's not gonna get in the gym like LeBron and be like you know putting in the work and come back like a, a a machine of steel. He's gonna come back pudgy and soft like he always does. And you, I don't know, you can't. <laughs> yeah, you can just see it in, in a year from now. He he's his contract is the new Russell Westbrook and Joel's prime is being wasted because they're paying fifty million dollars a year for someone that like can't contribute to the team. All right, that makes me upset. Um, well, the team that James Harden rocked up to overweight at the start of the season was the Brooklyn Nets, and Sean Marks recently threw shade at Kyrie Irving in his exit interviews. This is, you know, via Nets PR, but it's just available on YouTube. Um, so speaking about free agency and, and where this team's going to go, Sean Marks, the GM of the Brooklyn Nets, said, you know, this this is a week or two after Kyrie Irving said, "Yep, I'm resigning. I'm staying, and I want to be in the room with Joe Sy and Sean Marks, and we're going." No, make- he didn't. He didn't say I want to. He said, "I will." I am. Yeah. He said, "For me, being here looks like me and Kev co-managing the franchise." And then the two co-managing people that he named, the, the two people that he named as he was going to co-manage was is the owner, <laughs> Joe Sy, and the GM. All right, let me read out. Sure. My my brother asked me last night I was on Instagram Explore that truly the devil operates through Instagram Explore it's like let me and out Emma Stone. let me out yeah, and Stone. <laughs> let me out of the Instagram Explore cage anyway there was some shit video that popped up of like Kyrie streaming Twitch on <sighs> that was a dumb video on Grand Theft Auto and he said some stupid shit and then he like quit I, anyway I can't remember what it was but I asked my brother who um, at various points in his life has been very into like video games and like um, I know Twitch adjacent things. Um, 
was like, oh, do you watch Twitch? Do you know about this? Because I don't really, I don't really engage. I don't really know what the vibe is. Anyway, he's like, what prompted that? I said, oh, just this Kyrie video. And he asked me to explain like why, like what's Kyrie's deal? Like, why is he? I made some disparaging remark. I think I called him a Looney Tune. And he's Mm -hmm. like, why is Kyrie a Looney Tune? And I was like, Seamus, don't even worry. I can't even explain it to you. Like if you haven't been here for the last eight years, watching the downward spiral like there's no way that anyone can explain Just it to catch you up. there's no way no but you can't even catch up like it's almost like you need to be there because mm. it'd be like oh like he thinks that um he should be making the decisions like with the the bosses of the team like he's just yeah. like a player and he thinks that he should be like managing the direction someone would be like oh that's crazy like why would he think that but that is so just not even the tip of the tip of the iceberg so I was like Seamus don't even worry about it um I'm tired of Kyrie Irving. Uh, the quote from Sean Marks was, quote, it would be unfair for me to comment on how this looks with us and Kyrie. To be quite frank, he had some decisions to make on his own. He has to look at what he's, he has to first look at what he's going to do with his player option, uh, moving on a little bit. I think we know what we're looking for. We're looking for guys that want to come in here and be something bigger than themselves, play selfless, play, play team basketball, and be available. And that goes not only for Kyrie, but everybody here. End quote. Um... This is, if you're Sean Marks, you're essentially sitting in the driver's seat because you know that Kyrie is going to resign. You've got KD under contract. You may as well just be like, fuck you, man. Like, I want players that are going to be available. And like, you know, he's not talking about Joe Harris, who's just had a huge, you know, plethora of injuries. Like, he's lit and he's named Kyrie here. Like, he, if Kyrie wants to go somewhere else, it's going to look really bad on Kyrie Irving um, for just, you know, getting out of another situation that wasn't wasn't perfect for him. So for sure, Mark's to be like, just fucking essentially pull your head in <laughs> to, to, to borrow a, a footy phrase. This is this is sort of good, but as we mentioned two weeks ago in the pod, like how far the Brooklyn Nets have fallen from being the smart organization in control of everything, trading for Damari Carroll, but getting Karis LeVert and crap like that. They they signed a Faustian pact. <laughs> they Go did. on. You, yeah. Uh, well, a Faustian pact is uh, named after the European philosopher Faust, and mm. basically the idea is that you like make a deal with the devil, but it's gonna the door's gonna hit you on the way out. Like you get mm. something amazing, and you're enabled to do something fantastic, have amazing experiences, but there is like a terrible Dorian Gray esque price that you must pay that's never visible at the time. Mm. And for them, it's getting you know turning turning good vibes and a bunch of guys into. Harden, Kyrie, and Demet. Like, sick. How could that fuck up? And nobody two years ago was saying that it could fuck up. Like, mm. no one even considered that there could be personality clashes and that, like, everyone could turn out to be a little bit... It got swept in the first round. The other thing that I was going to say, you just mentioned they're in the driver's seat, but the calculus with Kyrie is different to any other player because, mm. yeah, you're in the driver's seat to get him signed... But it's not like he signs the contract for four years and you just you're locked in, ready yeah. to go. Like we'll see you week one. You constantly have to be checking in, maintaining, worried that he's gonna, you know, pop. And even when he, even when he doesn't pop, like you know, he took himself away from the team in the middle of last season for two, three weeks. He just left, and it was like, oh, Kyrie's like taking some Kim time. <laughs> what? Like who does that? Dennis Rodman. Well. That's it. You win a you win a ring out of it and you get a pass. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
It's yeah, just, once yeah. once you once you sign, it's not like there's going to be any relief, and it's like oh, like glad that the contract fiasco is over. Now we can just focus on playing ball. It's like with with Kyrie, you, you can never focus on playing ball. And the most galling thing about it all is that the only thing that he'll ever tell you is that he just wants to focus on playing ball. Meanwhile, every single thing that he ever does or says detracts from playing ball and obfuscates from playing ball. And yeah, so I just feel like, yeah, I feel like the same way about this whole Brooklyn endeavor as I feel about the New York Knicks signing a point guard to a big contract. <laughs> There's just no way that it works yeah. out. I mean, not much really I can add to that and, and add to what Sean Marks has said. Just another Sean doing great work in the world. <laughs> um, it's just, look, let's just see how it goes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and related to the Brooklyn Nets, the Atlanta Hawks are interested in a Ben Simmons trade this offseason coming from Chris Kirshner of The Athletic. Uh, this is a follow-on of interest they had mid-season. Now, obviously, uh, who's their GM again? Uh, Travis Schlenk, Schlenk. Says, yep, I need to make some moves. And I was very excited for a Ben Simmons and Atlanta trade at the mid-season. That obviously didn't happen. Um, I would love Trey Young to just have this big, high-post operating distributor just to work with him. I think that would be... He's so- already got so John Collins uh, John Collins um, John Collins for Ben Simmons um, I, I don't know how this works I don't know what makes Brooklyn do this I, I do mention here that if Curry doesn't resign then it's probably yeah, Ben Simmons and KD which is like far out but um, <laughs> look, look, let's say Curry does resign like Ben Simmons could literally be in Brooklyn for literally no games and just the the potential for a game four <laughs> wouldn't it be insane if he got traded this offseason without ever taking the floor and then Harden Harden walks in Philly <laughs> three months ago the whole internet was awash with like wow this is the most win-win superstar <laughs> trade in NBA history and it turns out that both people lose mm. both do, teams lose do you like Ben Simmons in Atlanta I just don't like Ben Simmons <laughs> Do you like Atlanta getting a, a high post facilitator and a big defender next to the rest of their their lackluster defensive team? When you put it like that, yes. But the downside of that is that um, the bigs that Trey Young has always succeeded in playing in are the rim rolling like lob threat bigs, which means that if Simmons is out there, he's not the rim rolling lob threat. He's the facilitator, the playmaker. Mm. Can also take some of the ball handling stress off of Trey, mm. which means that Capella or Okongwu still have to be out there. And yep. what we've seen from Simmons throughout his whole career is that if you're playing him with a non-shooting five, the spacing's going to be fucked. Yeah. Maybe you say that Trey's gravity can compensate for that, but no, we've I, got enough evidence of Simmons playing with uh, a non-shooting big that the spacing is just not you, you an can, NBA level. Right, just in the NBA in general, you can only have one non-shooter out there. Yeah, so you have to, you have to, you have to. If they do that and then you know reorient the way that they play, mm-hmm. then maybe, but it, maybe like, it works. But Trey's had so much success with that very specific archetype of player. Who, not to mention, they have two of them on the on the roster. Yeah. So like they can just pivot to like, maybe we'll emphasize this guy more yeah. than maybe we'll emphasize Maxi Kleber more than Clint Capella because Maxi Kleber can space out and shoot. It's like, no, you have Capella and you have a carbon copy of Capella, just ten years younger in yeah. the Kongu, eight years younger. Um, yeah, and like if you really want a, a big man that can somewhat defend the ring and shoot threes, which I do, I love that. But like, what do you got? You got Miles Turner, Kelly Olynyk, Nick Batum, Maxi Kleber. Kelly Olynyk can't somewhat defend though. So you could argue really he can't shoot. 
shoot as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, have you seen Game Four against Cleveland? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's hard to find that player, and in fact, everyone wants that player. So yeah, oh, Jaron Jackson. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe they could trade for Jaron Jackson. Jaron fucking Jackson. That would like you know a two K dream of having Ben Simmons, Jaron Jackson, and Trey Young. Yeah, truly. Truly. Um, also, talk about two players who could compensate for Trey's defensive struggles. Yeah, having Jaron Jackson yeah. at the rim and Ben Simmons like taking like the biggest. Mm. Not gonna um, happen. Uh, do you want to say anything before we wrap up? I do want to say something, which is uh, everyone should jump onto the deep Can't believe that it's that seamless. Is that the URL? Yeah, that's the URL. Um, which I mean, like I've heard of. I've heard of good URLs before, but for it to be exactly what it is, uh, it's pretty good. That's pretty Jump good. onto the d2.com uh, and have a look at a less article that's gone up uh, a few days ago, um, which is a bit of a recap of the themes uh, of the first round that we saw and maybe even a little bit of a discussion about the, the personalities and the characters and an analysis of what type of personality, what traits do the winning teams have? Um, there's some Patrick Beverly discussion in there. So if that's, a, <laughs> if that's enough of a carrot for you, um, jump onto the deep2.com and give that a, uh, give that a look. Um, and as always, you can find anything that's going up on our socials. Make sure that you're um, following us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. We're on LinkedIn. That's crazy. Instagram. Instagram. Um, He's done it. Yeah, the, the, the holy, the holy quadrinity. <laughs> holy trinity. Uh, Dante, I'll speak to you next week. If you look for PointsBet's stock exchange listing, you'll find a bucket of jargon and doublespeak as they're considered a, quote, wagering services operator, unquote. That's a corporate stretch for the colloquial friendly Brogan or, hey, look, it's Chris Bosch kind of image they're sending off with their targeted advertising. I don't know about you, but take me back to the days when former pro sports players signed brand deals with hair loss clinics or Fujitsu aircons, not, quote, wagering service providers. If you're scrolling through your Facebook feed and you come across the two of our faces morphed into one, would that make you listen to our podcast more? I mean, if it does, let us know and we'll start doing it. But when I see a few NBA players' faces morphed into one, it doesn't make me want to pull out my wallet and donate some money to my local wagering services provider. The worst part is we're coming to accept it. Gambling ads are, sorry, wagering service provider ads are so ingrained in our sports and the way sports is delivered to us, it's almost impossible to avoid. Three quarters of Australian children aged between eight and 16 years who watch sport think that betting on sport is normal and can name more than well, one or more sport betting companies. When I was in school, I was struggling to remember Pokemon names and I'd be furious if I knew that brain power was being used to put towards wagering service providers and not them. The wagering service providers know exactly who to target. It's not okay to let them ingrain themselves in young Australians' minds. It's not okay to target people in the middle of a pandemic and it's not okay for gambling companies to wield so much influence in the world of sports. To help kick gambling out of sport, use your voice and sign the petition at www.ngamblingads.org.au forward slash petition.